The following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Comey Snake. Welcome to Escape from New York Minute, where we celebrate and analyze the dystopian classic one minute at a time. I am Molly Balin. And I am Eric Deutsch. And today we welcome back Walt Murray from the Wilder Ride podcast. Hey, thanks for having me back. Thanks for being back. Well, a lot of times I get one shot and then that's it. The the gig is up. So I appreciate y'all having me. So we are on Minute 11. And in this minute, it starts out with Bob Houck and Remy in the bunker, and it ends with the female hijacker making threats in Air Force One. Plain, in case no one knew what we were talking about yesterday, the, the small jet we're talking about indeed is Air Force One, the most famous plane in America. And um, doing some research, what they're using here in the movie is it's a model. And uh, according to uh, the internet... Uh, so let's 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 assume this is correct. The model has the nose based on a Boeing 707, the tail of a Convair 240, and the jet engines like a DC-9. Now, when this movie was made, that was filmed in 1980, came out in 1981. A Boeing 707 indeed was being used as Air Force One, and that's considered a mid-sized plane. As far as I'm considering Air Force One a small jet in yesterday's minute, the only no prize type of explanation I can come up with is maybe in the Escape from New York universe, <laughs> this is considered a small plane because it was not a small plane in real life. No, it was not. Uh, and if we were to take 1997 as it was for reals in our world, Air Force One would be a Boeing VC-25A, which has about 4,000 square foot of space used for presidential operations. So that's like a big-ass house, basically. Oh, yeah. I mean, Air Force One has conference rooms and, and sleeping quarters. I mean, this is not... Uh, it's not just a plane that you're taking from San Francisco to New York and just removing the seats and putting some stuff in there. This is a big sucker. Yeah, yeah. It is is most definitely large and in charge. Uh, and then there's the cost. And I was reading in 2014, it was $210,877 per hour to operate that thing. That's interesting. That's a lot of money. You know, I... Um, Years ago in my first career when I was a news radio reporter, I was uh, in Wisconsin and I was covering a rally. This was under President Clinton. He and uh, Al Gore were both uh, coming to La Crosse, Wisconsin to do a big rally. And the rally was delayed because Air Force One, wherever it was coming from to fly into La Crosse, was stuck in the mud and couldn't take off. And so. How much money was wasted then, uh, based on what you just said there, Molly, <laughs> on the Air Force One of all – I mean, how Air Force One gets stuck in the mud is beyond me in the first place. But now I'm thinking about how much it costs for Air Force One to be stuck in the mud. Right, right. Well, here's the other interesting thing, and I know this because my dad was guarding one of Nixon's planes in the 70s, but there's a, a fleet of planes, basically. So it, it is possible that you know it wasn't – you know, this particular jet that we're, we're thinking of, it could have been a different plane that uh, the president was flying under 
Um, and I had no idea this was the case, but apparently anytime a president flies in a plane, its call sign becomes Air Force One. Yes, that's correct. That, that's right. Yeah, even if he gets on a Cessna, it's it's now Air Force One. But this one is obviously, it's got the presidential paint job and the seal, so it's a designated Air Force One. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is the official sucker. Yeah. yeah. So was your dad in the military, or was he a Secret Service uh, he was Air Force. Okay. Yeah, he was a he was a dog handler. Um, he was uh, he was just did the four years stint. But um, yeah, he ended up. Um, that's actually an interesting story that sometime maybe I'll get into. But yeah, being a vet, he went in for computer programming and came out a dog handler and a cop and was guarding <laughs> planes. So yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> so before um, we actually see Air Force One. The controller gets a feed from somebody on the plane talking, and it's a. I think this is a great line reading uh, by uh, this actress, uh, who we'll get into in a second. Um, she says, "It's too late, assholes. All your imperialist, all your imperialist weapons and lies can't save him now. We're going down. We're going to crash." Now, this is before we see it's Air Force One. It's before Remy and Hauk see on the screen that it's been identified as Air Force One. So at this point, we don't know exactly who she's talking about. But you can hear in her voice, it's just a great line reading. She sounds nuts. She sounds on the edge. And I think that she did a really good job with that line. So good. She she does a great job of sounding like an insane terrorist. Yes. And... We had a bunch of those uh, skyjackings back in the 70s, I guess. And this is exactly what you would expect one of them to sound like. Yes, definitely. And then we we see Air Force One, and then we go into the cockpit, and there she is. She is credited as stewardess, actually. When I, when I, I, until I started doing research for this podcast, I figured she was the pilot or the co-pilot. But it turns out she's actually the stewardess on the plane. And she's sitting there. She is flying the plane. There are two dead people in the cockpit with her. It's very dark, but it looks like maybe their throats were slit. Mm. And uh, so she's a mole. She somehow got herself assigned to this. And obviously she is she is part of a terrorist group. And this actress is Nancy Stevens. And she's got a history with John Carpenter because she played the character Marion in Halloween, Halloween 2 and Halloween H2O. And actually ended up meeting the and marrying the director of Halloween H, uh, Halloween 2, Rick Rosenthal. So uh, that is who we've got here. And um, the minute, unfortunately, ends in the middle of her rant. So we get, which actually, like, well, not unfortunately, means we get to talk to, about her again tomorrow. Uh, but uh, here she is. Uh, we see the face that goes with that crazy rant. And she's <laughs> not messing around. She's got, she's got dead people in the cockpit with her. I hate to say this because it kind of sounds... Um, uh kind of sounds dark for me to say this, but I thought the dead bodies were a nice touch because it kind of shows the ruthlessness of her and whoever she's working with. Uh, But it it really continues that super dark sense that this movie has. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like it conveys a a lot of shorthand information in that moment. And and in the next minute, you know, we'll we'll get into a little bit more of, of running down scenarios. But right now, because you do see a couple of bodies in the cockpit, you can kind of like read between the lines about what happened. 
as I said, it's it's dark and it, it, the guy is out of focus. The one that's front left on the screen. Do you agree? It looks like his throat is slit. Th- that's what I thought. That, I think his. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, that's that's quite a way to kill someone. So yeah, mm-hmm. and that is a that is a painful, ruthless way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Personal. Yes. Yes. Very uh, up up close and personal. And here is something that's incredibly interesting that really would change this entire movie. Going back to the novel, uh, not the novel, I'm sorry, going to the, the draft script. In the original script that John Carpenter wrote, the plane does not crash because of a hijacking. There is no hijacking. It's struck by lightning and on fire and leaking fuel, and that's why it crashes. Oh. And so sometime between the first draft and the shooting draft, he changed it to the hijacking and... I have to say the hijacking, it makes the movie so much better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because before it's an accident. Now it becomes this whole other backstory of this world that these guys are living in. Yeah. I mean, this is you know, the, the, the hijacking is world building. The accident is just, you know, an accident. And with an accident, you would expect that Air Force One was not headed in a direction that an accident would put it into the largest prison in the world. Yes. Where the hijacking makes it very intentional that they're dumping him there and making a statement. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you, uh, go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say, uh, these are kind of crazy uniforms that they have in Air Force One. Yeah, I guess, you know, fitting with the militaristic dystopian future of the movie. You know, they, I, you know, costume designer probably going for that kind of look. I, I think it hits. Yeah, it's a little... <sighs> I mean, you know, it's it's whatever. They're, they're in here for, a hot, like, I was going to say a hot minute, but it's less than a hot minute. But it does, I think, remind me a little bit more of, like, Mork and Mindy than <laughs> something, you know? Like, yeah, because like the, the piping and the, um, and the buttons at the neck and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a, I mean, you know, whatever. But, like, I, I, I felt Star like they could have done a, or Star Trek, yes, yes. They, I felt like they could have done a better job. All right, Molly's calling you out, uh, <laughs> costume designer. <laughs> name I'm stalling now to try to. That would be Stephen Loomis. There we go. Thank you. Oh, Loomis. Yes, yeah, Stephen Loomis. Well, and he's got some funny credits. He <laughs> he's got some garbage credits. Um, <laughs> he did well. He did the fog. He did Escape from New York, and then. And then he did a movie called Busting Loose from 1981. Well, I said it wrong. Busting Loose. <laughs> yes, please. Which which was a Richard Pryor movie. And it was kind of in that time for Richard Pryor where the chemical abuse was really getting to him. Mm. And um, it was not, it was not, a, not his best work. Uh, in fact, on IMDb, it gets a six point one, so that's not real good. That was that was a bad movie for him. And then he did something called Separate Ways, and uh, that was it. Um, that was it for him. Well, we won't uh, we won't contact him for an interview then, Molly. <laughs> so if you had him in the pipeline, I've totally just blown that up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll remove my foot from my mouth now. <laughs> well, and, and you know, it, this is so bad. For separate ways, he was he's listed as the wardrobe designer, and they misspelled his name. 
Oh, oh man. In they the credits? It. In the credits, yeah. Oh. So he's credited with his name misspelled. Awful. Mm. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, that's, that's not good. Oh, and in Escape from New York, they misspelled it. They have it L-O-O-M-I-S, and his name is actually... Oh, no, they spelled it right. Um, but they, his first name is spelled S-T-E-V-E-N in the credits, and his real name is actually spelled S-T-E-P-H-E-N. So... Um, this guy, they they really did him wrong at every turn. <laughs> no, <laughs> total disrespect. Oh, Even Loomis, come on! You're like piping in the uniform. Screw you, Loomis. <laughs> Your work sucks. We're gonna just admit, spell his name wrong. Screw this guy. <laughs> oh my god! It's just been a lifetime of shame, and I'm just like again, and just. <laughs> putting another pile of dirt in that grave my god <laughs> now these these three nerds are goofing on me even <laughs> <laughs> i'll never go on their podcast <laughs> ragging on your life's work bro sorry <laughs> well I, I wonder what he what he's doing now it doesn't look like he died or anything i i, I guess after these I was going to say fiascos. That's not fair. After, <laughs> after these movies, I guess he just didn't get any work. Hey, if any listeners know Stephen Loomis and uh, want, if he wants to come on and just tear us all, you know, you know, apart for being jerks and, and defend his work, uh, tell him to contact us here at Escape from New York Minute, and we'd love to have him on. He can explain the piping minimally. <laughs> <laughs> it was the 80s <laughs> no. oh my gosh hey something i think everybody does love about this movie is the music and <sighs> we get uh we get back to another song here uh this is the song that was combined two songs in one i mentioned back in minute five there was a song called over the wall and on the soundtrack it's one track over the wall slash Air Force One. And so here we are with that portion of the, the song called Air Force One. And uh, just a reminder, everyone, uh, when we're doing, when we're discussing the soundtrack, we're talking about the 2000 remastered edition. So uh, here we go with the second part of that song. If you're listening on the soundtrack, you didn't have to wait six minutes to hear the rest of the song. Well, tell us, what's your what's your history with this movie? Have you been seen it a, a lot over the years? Do you, do you remember actually seeing it for the first time? Oh, I, I do remember seeing it the first time. I, I did see it in the theater, and, and I've been racking my brain trying to remember how I ended up going. My dad had an unusual taste in movies. So it seems like this would be one that he would take us to. Um, but I, I, I do remember seeing it in the theater and I've probably seen it 10 times or more since then. It's one of those that it, it to me, it's kind of like jaws or uh, some of the others that if it's on, I sit down and watch the rest of it. If I'm, you know, flipping through channels and find it, I'm going to sit down and watch the rest of it. And for its weaknesses, I've always loved this movie. And it, it's kind of a great 80s action adventure, and, um, you know, for all it's good and bad. And I've always liked Kurt Russell. I've always thought that he was just a, a really cool character in just about every movie he's ever been in. So I've always, when, when y'all asked me to come on, I was like, oh man, I, no question, I want to be on this, on this podcast. Uh, just, one of those kind of guilty pleasure movies that I've always loved. 
That's awesome. Do you have a particular part of the movie that's your favorite? You know, <laughs> yes, uh, the whole thing. I, you know, I really, <laughs> I, I'm having a hard time narrowing it down because I, I just the plot is what the plot is. You know, it's good and it's bad. I love when he first lands in New York City and almost runs off the side of the building uh, and has to kind of fight his way through the building to get down. Uh, the great characters, I mean, Ernest Borgnine is just amazing in this movie um, for, uh, for a totally different reason than he's amazing in other movies. Um, so I just think that what they did with this was really great because hmm. it could have been a lousy, just space filler movie. But, you know, even for... You know, like we said, some of the weaknesses of it, it's not cheap. It, it, they do a good job with developing some of the characters, and you really kind of like Snake. You know, by the time the movie's over, you're really hoping that he doesn't get shot, and you're really hoping he makes it. So I, I just, I, this has been one of those that I, I really like, and there's going to be a, a moment in the next minute that every single time it happens, I, I get mad. But... <laughs> But that's few, few and far between for this movie. I, I really do enjoy it. And I, going through each of the different characters, I mean, Isaac Hayes is even good. And he's not in a whole lot of other stuff that I can think of, but he's a memorable character in this movie. And so I, I even like the concept of things getting so bad that they just go, okay, fine, we're making an entire island in New York a prison, and we're just going to let these guys have at it. So I... I could go on and on, but it really is one of my favorite movies for a lot of reasons. Well, that's great. So uh, let me ask you this then. Let's let's tie it into uh, something that's in your wheelhouse with the Wilder ride. How would Sheriff Bart fare if he was the warden instead of Hauk of New York Prison? Ah, uh, wow. Okay. I don't think he would do well. <laughs> the reason I think that is because Sheriff Bart, even though he is extremely intelligent and cunning. He's also very kind of tender-hearted towards people and he he usually assumes the best of everyone. And there's a, a scene particularly in Blazing Saddles where he's walking down the street and he tips his hat and says, "Howdy, ma'am." And this elderly lady says, "Up yours." And he uses <laughs> the N-word. And it is devastating to him. And we kind of talk a lot about that in that um, in that minute. That's not the kind of person that you put in charge of this prison camp. You have to put the badass, tough guy who just got done brawling with Clint Eastwood and put him in charge. And even though you, you did talk about his, you know that he was not happy about shooting the guys in in, um, in the river as they're crossing, uh, he still was willing to do the job where Sheriff Bart might have tried to scoop the guys up, convince them to change their ways, send them back to the prison. Um, that's not the kind of person you have to have for this kind of camp. Okay, so we will uh, give you another opportunity here, Malt, to promote the Wilder Ride podcast. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, if you're interested in the Wilder Ride, you can hear us on any podcatcher. We're finding even podcatchers we weren't aware of that we're on. And we are also on YouTube. So you can find us by doing a quick search for the Wilder Ride there. And uh, unfortunately, no video, but you can uh, sit and look at our logo or the picture from that minute and listen to our episodes. And 
then we we do have a listeners group and i mentioned that real briefly in the, the last episode but if you go on on uh, escape from new york and the folks who have kind of gravitated towards our group tend to be fans of movies of the 70s and 80s so a lot of really great discussion uh about a lot of the actors and actresses a lot of the different movies and uh, there are actually a lot of members of other um, podcast teams for uh, some of the other movies by minutes groups uh, that have joined our group. So it's a it's really a lot of fun. So I encourage you, if you have an interest, to uh, jump over and even if you don't listen to our show, take some time to check out our listeners group. All right, awesome. And uh, we have a listeners group too on Facebook. Brains Library, the Escape from New York Minute Hangout. We love to hear from you. You can also chat with us on Twitter, NY Minute Pod. Be sure to rate and review us if you like what we're doing here and subscribe as well. So until tomorrow, when Walt will be back with us one last episode, be on time, stay out of the sewers, and we'll meet you on the other side of the wall. Mm-hmm.